welcome to episode 103 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Happy New Year, Pilar. How are you doing? I am very well, and Happy New Year to you too. And our listeners, if you're listening around January 2022. <laughs> when do we stop saying Happy New Year? I don't know, but... Well, we won't say it for the next episode, don't worry, <laughs> listeners. But we, are, we, we welcome uh, messages of Happy New Year. If, uh, if you just want to say hello, that'll be great. It's always nice to hear from people. And um, so, yeah, this is our first recording um, of 2022. We took a, a holiday, took a break, as is appropriate in December. So it's nice to be back into the routine again. Now, couple of things to cover off before we get into the main topic. And one of them is very closely related to that because it is that sort of new year time. And a lot of people might be tempted to commit to a big new year's resolution or a big change in their life. Uh, and so in the latest blog post over on the website, um, I, I wrote a piece outlining why actually sometimes these new year's resolutions can work against us and make some suggestions for other approaches that you can take less of the big bang reinvention and more of the course adjustment or course correction approach. So I'll put a link uh, to that uh, blog post in the show notes. And of course, that's all about a fresh start. And we covered the psychology of fresh starts back in episode 96. So I will also put a link to that as well. I think the thing I would draw everyone's attention to is when we spoke about fresh starts is that January the 1st is a very arbitrary date and we can make a fresh start at any time. And maybe January the 1st is the worst possible day to try and make some changes in our lives. So maybe by the time you hear this later in the month, you're over the bump of holidays and back to work and back into your routine. And maybe it's a much more realistic time to make a change. So if you are, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Twitter at MyPocketPsych, or you can send us um, an email. And a link to that will be in the show notes. And I have to say, Richard, that I was thinking about that episode quite often <laughs> over my over my break, the episode on fresh starts, because I'm a real New Year's person. I, I, and I think, and I was thinking about why that was after our conversation, thinking the Christmas holiday has that winding down feeling for me. And then there's that long period of being off, which I always take. I decide to follow the Spanish tradition of ending the Christmas holiday on the 6th of January. Mm -hmm. So it was also interesting for me to to think that, but there were things that I was thinking, well, I'll wait till New Year. And I was thinking, no, I'll start tomorrow. So it's really interesting. Uh, listeners, if you haven't listened to episode 96, it's, it's really worth a listen. I feel a bit of a fraud, actually, <laughs> because... <laughs> because I did take uh, a nice long break. And a bit like yourself, I think I, I do a lot of my thinking while I'm on holiday and that inspires a lot of thoughts. So there's a few few changes going on at my end, but they're not the sort of new year, new me. Mm. Um, but it's just uh, not because it's the new year, but because it was timely uh, yeah. to make a few changes. I've also published a new video on our YouTube channel. You can find that at worklifepsych.tv, um, which is about coaching. Um, I suppose it's based on the frequently asked questions that I get about coaching from people who are thinking about introducing coaching to their organization or thinking about working with a coach. And so it's very uh, going in at the basics, what it is, what it's not. It's only about seven minutes long. So I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, because that seems to be an evergreen topic, an evergreen question 
when I mention coaching. So what exactly is coaching? So I try and make my point in that. And that was, uh, Richard, very quickly, uh, that, that was one of the uh, 2021's most popular episodes, wasn't it? Something around, is that right? Am I going wrong? <laughs> I am going to reach into my memory and say that the number one most popular episode was about well-being at work. Yeah, that was Kevin I Keats. I think yes. Fresh Starts was up in the top five. Oh, okay. Yes, Great. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm like... <laughs> Never mind. Sorry, listeners. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> rewind, rewind, because there's something else that's new <laughs> that maybe uh, that I noticed, Richard, and I imagine by the time that this episode goes out, listeners might have a look. But I noticed in our Slack that uh, where we communicate, you have a new logo. Work-Life Psych has a new logo. Yes, a refresh. Well, it's been over seven and a half years since I established the business. And that's seven and a half years of um, a, a brand identity I really liked. But I, I got sort of itchy feet and thought <laughs> it was time for a bit of a refresh. And this is why I feel like a bit of a fraud. <laughs> don't, don't make big changes. And then the first week of January, I decide to uh, refresh the brand. But it's, it's not significant, but um, people will notice it on the social streams. Um, it'll be on the website. And you know, anywhere you interact with us, you'll see the new logo. I'd love to hear what you think. Um, as long as it's positive, because it's yes. not going to change. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you think, but <laughs> as long as it's good. But it's one of those things yeah. that um, you, I have to look at it a lot. And um, so I thought, well, I really want something new, fresh, and, and something that I like. So that's what we ended up with. So in this episode, we're going to take a look at a topic that comes up regularly in my world in coaching contexts. And that's discussions about personality and under how understanding your own personality can be a benefit, but it can also be a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, and I suppose in my world, I come up against personality more than finding it uh, an element of a discussion that helps move things along. It's often something that we need to overcome because of the way people think about personality. So if I sound a bit negative or a bit challenging, that's because that's where I'm coming from. Um, but that, that's what we're going to look at today. What, what does that um, instill in you, Pilar, when you, when you hear that overview? I love it. And I love if, uh, if anything uh, controversial or ranty, I love. <laughs> and I, I think I, I agree with you in the fact that sometimes personality also becomes a little bit of a stereotype way of talking about ourselves and other people. Mm -hmm. So I think any conversation around it is, um, it, yeah, I think it's really interesting and useful. So let's start at the very beginning then and answer the question um, lightly. What is personality? And the way that I consistently respond to that question is that uh, when we talk about our personality, it's a shorthand, uh, a way of understanding our preferences, how we like to be in the world. Uh, it influences how we respond to situations, how we engage with people around us, how we interface with the world. And in the world of work, where, where I'm based, um, we often talk about personality in terms of how we like to, to do things, how we're drawn to certain activities within our job and how we don't like others, um, has an influence over our communication preferences. And that could be the, the different communication media we tend to use or the extent to which we communicate. And also what's going on inside of us in response to the outside world. 
So there isn't a, a very simple one line that I try and get across, but it, it is about preferences. And that is the word that I underline, because if we forget that it's a preference, we start to fall into one of the common traps, uh, seeing it as, a, as an immovable or um, a limiting factor. Hmm. And that takes me to my question around this as well, which is then how much how much of our personality is influenced by our environment? So the, the nature versus nurture um, dilemma as well. Um, is this something, is personality, I mean, from hearing you, it doesn't sound like it's very fixed, but it sounds like it might be pretty fixed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you know, PR, we were aiming to keep our episodes down to 30 minutes and <laughs> okay. already I don't think this is going to be one of those. Well, I, I would put it this way that um, they both contribute. Um, personality is not uh, like concrete. It is plastic and it can change, but it changes over the long term not from week to week. If we're thinking about changes that happen from week to week, we might be thinking about mood or attitude uh, as opposed to personality. Um, so the weather changes very quickly. Well, wherever where we are in the Northern Hemisphere, it, we can have several, several different um, types of weather in one day. That might be our moods. But the seasons or indeed the climate is much more similar to our personality. There is movement, there is change, but it's slower and maybe harder to spot unless you're tracking it, unless you're measuring it. And most people don't continually measure their personality over their lifetime, thankfully. And one, of, you, you don't have to answer it, but the other thought is how much of our, um, how we are brought up versus our genes, how much it influences it, but I mean, does it but, matter? Both of actually? these are going, yeah, I mean, that's a really good question as well. Both of these will play a part and something that comes up a lot in my coaching world are internalized rules that people have um, unconsciously adopted as a result of their upbringing, their education, the formative years in the workplace, and uh, learning how to challenge those if they're no longer helpful. We can look at personality the same way, and, and that's something that I'd really like to expand on, not view it as something that constrains us, but something that facilitates our interaction with the world around us. Mm -hmm. So it's really useful before I, before I look at the downsides, it's really useful to understand our personality. You know, a big part of coaching, a big part of personal development is self-awareness. So if we can get an accurate and helpful uh, understanding of our own personality, that fundamentally gives us a level of insight into why we do what we do and why we like what we like and why we don't like what we don't like. So very fundamental perspective on how we are in the world. And of course, in the workplace, because this is a, a podcast all about the psychology of the workplace, it can help us and others understand, in part, will we be a good fit for a given role? Now, I say in part because it's not the only factor. Of course, there are other factors we want to assess if we're going to recruit someone, appoint someone into a role, promote someone, and so on. But it is very useful to understand uh, someone's personality in the occupational, in the in the workplace space. But it also um, puts our strengths and our development needs into context. So again, uh, our personality has an influence over the things that we find easy because we may like them and so we do more of them and over time we get better at it. And the things that remain development needs because maybe we don't like them 
they don't play to our strengths. And if we don't expose ourselves to those contexts or those activities, we won't get better at them. Um, now, it, it, it's really important that we view this in, a, in the round, that personality is one factor here, but it can really help us understand that about ourselves, particularly if we've had feedback in the past that was, let's say, a corrective feedback, you know, telling us we need to get better at something, or unfortunately, you're no good at this. It helps us understand why that might have been. And then if we know how we are in the world or how we like to be in the world, it can help us think ahead. It can help prepare us for and respond more flexibly to the context that we as an individual might find challenging. So a really common example would be um, speaking in front of an audience. If, if we understand our own personality and we have a way of describing it to ourselves, we can then say to ourselves, that that's something that I would shy away from. That's a context that I'm not going to like. Rather than avoiding it, I'm going to work and prepare and do the best I can rather than someone else who might say, I thrive in these contexts. I really love speaking to an audience and I'm not going to give it much of a second thought. It doesn't tell us what to do. It tells us how we might need to be in a different context. And that's a very important distinction. Does that make sense so far? Yes, yes. And it's making me think as well that sometimes uh, there might be areas of our personality we weren't aware of because we haven't been in a context that made us aware of it as well. Mm. So I, it's, uh, I really like, I find it very interesting that, to be thinking about the, the, yeah, the personality and the context, the, the inside and the outside world and, and, how, and the interplay. And um, to build on that point, yeah. we may fall into the trap of thinking that what's in my head is in your head. Oh, yeah. And that my view of the world is the same as your view of the world because I've never spoken about it. I've never thought that it might be different. And of course, you can easily see how that leads us uh, into all kinds of potential problems or, or just communications issues. Now, the problems, um, I've made the case for understanding personality. I think that's that's pretty uh, clear. But the, the downsides of how personality is covered in the workplace are many and varied. Um, first of all, if you're going to assess or measure personality, um, not all of those assessments, not all of those questionnaires are equally valid and reliable. And what I mean by that is they don't all measure scientifically and consistently. Um, there is a continuum. Um, at one end of the continuum, you might have something for purely entertainment purposes that you'd find on a, on a social network. You know, answer these questions to find out which wizard's house you belong to, you know, something like that. And at the other end, you've got very, very valid and reliable, very robust assessments that would be used in a professional context by professionally trained individuals. Now, one of the things that, um, I'd love to be challenged on this if it's not the case, but it's an observation I would make in my over 20 years working as a practitioner psychologist is that there's more people using assessments and that assessments are being used more, uh, by which I mean maybe used in contexts where they might not have been used before or with less thought because they're more accessible. It's been commoditized in a sense. And people are filling out questionnaires and maybe not getting feedback or maybe not getting professional feedback or leaving the situation in which they have been assessed with a misunderstanding of personality and with a misunderstanding of themselves. And I encounter this all the time. 
in coaching contexts. In fact, outside of those contexts, socially, if someone understands that I'm a psychologist, one of the, the number one things people will bring up is that they've completed some kind of an assessment either to get a job or on some god-awful team development <laughs> context. And very rarely do I hear positive things about it. It's overwhelmingly a negative experience. And I think that's very sad. And do you think the increase, Richard, is that it's being used in wider range of situations or just more? I think it's a little bit column A, a little bit column B. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think if you're um, a larger organization and you've got volume recruitment going on, you probably have pretty robust assessment practices and you've been you've been doing it for a while and you've, you're maybe hiring in experts to help you with it. I think it's more problematic where it's it's done in an ad hoc way um, because someone thinks it's a good idea. We're not we're not solving a problem. We're just adding in an activity. And what can flow from that are all kinds um, of problems. But for me, it, it's that misunderstanding of the value that these things can bring and the the labeling, that the unhelpful labeling that can come from it, uh, especially if you um, misunderstand what's been said to you or indeed the feedback you got was inaccurate uh, from, the, from the person who's providing it. And if, for example, your personality profile the summary of of your personality was used against you mm. or was you know weaponized in a sense or if you were told something about a good personality and a bad personality i mean i've come across that as well um so the practice so the assessment can be great but if the the use of the assessment is poor it doesn't really help in fact it can make things a lot worse so what we use why we use them and how we use it end to end from explaining to people the purpose, supporting them through the completion and providing them with feedback and information and, and a profile that they can hold on to for the future uh, so that when they want to look back at something, they have, they have something accessible that can remind them of what they've taken from the process. Now, the problem with oversimplification um, is that, well, I mean, think of it this way. Imagine, Pilar, you've applied for a job and you're getting feedback at the far end of that process and you've got the job. You're going to start in this, this company next week and they're giving you feedback on your personality profile. It may be that your excitement about getting the new role means you're not paying attention to that. It may be that it's all delivered in a positive sense because the decision has been made to hire you and what's the point in giving Pilar some, some feedback that's not so nice. And, and, you know, it gets lost in the wind tunnel of excitement. It may be that you don't get offered the feedback at all and you get a document. And that's a real simplified version of the assessment. It might be that you are a self-critical person by nature and you zone in on words or terms that you don't like and you wear those like a bit of a badge. So we can lose the subtlety and the nuance of a personality profile and oversimplify it and use it against ourselves. And of course, that can, that can cause us all kinds of problems. I think it seems to me um, that if we are using, if we are, if as an organization we are using this and asking people to fill them in, that there needs to be some awareness, one, like we're saying, of what personality is and two, of what we can do if we want to 
um, shape certain aspects of it, the fact that we can work on the aspects that we might want to work on. And all of that seems very, very important in order that when we got the, the results especially of the of the assessment we know what to do with it and also that we know what it means um mm -hmm. so it, it feels to me like uh you should listen to this episode <laughs> as well. It, well that, I think that, it's, it's really important and I, I I agree with you that it's not often it's not often done. It's lovely when you see it being done, but the process is often the weak link in the yeah. chain. Um especially if people feel in, in a development context where you're already at work in an organization, if you feel forced into completing a questionnaire. And again, I've come across many examples of that in my career, and that goes against all of the ethics of assessments. You know, we, we um, should get the permission and the agreement of the person who's going to be assessed um, to complete the assessment. And of course, if we lose the nuance about ourselves, it's very easy to lose that about other people. And then we start to stereotype or pigeonhole other people based on our limited understanding of the personality model in question. Now we don't have, no, we don't have time today <laughs> to do a deep dive. I really, you could probably hear that in my voice. I thought for a moment, but there are, there are multiple models of personality. Um, there are multiple ways of measuring it and expressing it, but fundamentally research has demonstrated that there's one kind of um, fundamental um, model that everything else is based off. And the level of detail that you might want to go into in explaining personality will be a function of, of what you're using the assessment for. So maybe it's a light touch coaching conversation versus a very in-depth senior assessment, you know, executive assessment placement. Um, so if, if we hang on to just one element of that model or we forget the implications of how the different personality factors interact with each other, then we'll, we'll lose the meaning. And we, we can forget very easily that personality plays a role in our behavior, but it is not our behavior. It's not the same thing. We can control our responses. We can choose how we want to behave. And unfortunately, we could instead use our personality as an excuse for our person uh, for our behavior you know and and that means that we say well i can't do that because i'm dot 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 or i'll never be able to because i'm dot 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 or oh you know sorry i'm late because or sorry that's not correct because i'm dot 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 and and it's personality it plays a role in it but it doesn't excuse our behavior we we do have um the 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 control over how we show up in the world. And of course that can then be internalized and we can start to believe it. I can't because, I'm always because. Um, and based on potentially, as we said, a very oversimplified or an incorrect version of our personality. Yeah, I've seen that quite a bit as well, saying, oh, um, excuse that it's because I'm up. Whatever. Uh, and, and also, and more worryingly, of course, um, as we were saying before, I've also seen it um, extended to me. Oh, it must be because you are a... <laughs> mm. insert word that they decided I am or uh, and also I think also with both those points too um, the fact that there is a spectrum over any dimension of personality I imagine as well so it's, it's we use one word but actually within that word, word there must be a whole spectrum of how much that drives our behavior so um, absolutely yeah. if you think of it as a cake you could slice the cake up into 
two massive slices, uh, but you're more likely going to slice it up into more slices. Um, and then, of course, if there's you know a need, you could make very, very small, lots and lots of slices. And it, it depends on what your your context is and what you want to do with the cake. I think I've exhausted the cake metaphor, but you know what I mean. We can slice it up. And of course, um, it is better expressed on a continuum. That's a more accurate way of talking about. So therefore, it's not helpful to say I am or I am not um, in, in terms of personality, because you don't have an absence of that personality factor. You're just somewhere else on that scale, somewhere else on that continuum. The other thing, um, to, going back to the whole the thinking time during Christmas I've had and stuff, is that something that I've become very aware of are personality traits which were very ingrained, and at some point, either through self awareness or through very direct feedback, I decided I wanted to change them, and eventually I've changed it. So just going back to the the changing of personality. So I'm not talking specifically about anything that was measurable for me, mm -hmm. but just some behaviors that were very ingrained, and, and that was who I was. And I've started to tweak them so that uh, so that they're not. So I think that that it's also I think for me part of the conversation, as you're saying, that whatever we find out about ourselves, if we want to change it. It's, as you said earlier, it's plastic. And it's about what we do, you know? So if if we want to get out of that comfort zone, we can, but it's through doing, it's through mm. our behavior, not through, you know, sitting quietly and thinking hard about it. And uh, that that's where it's really important to remember the difference between personality and behavior. Mm. And of course, when we get feedback, and if we want to make a change based on that feedback, the change will be on our behavior. What, what we do, what we don't do, or when we do things, or the extent to which we do things. Now, not all of it's going to be really visible to other people, but if you think of it this way, what am I paying attention to, and how am I using my time, and when am I speaking up, and how much preparation am I doing, and am I checking my documents before I submit them? You know, all of these things. Um, if we know it's something that's important in our role, if we've had feedback on it, we could either say, oh, I can't because I am dot, dot, dot. Or we could say, oh, that yeah, that's tough for me because I tend not to pay attention to that. <laughs> Speaking from experience, the number of emails I've sent without an attachment attached to it, and all it would take is for me to pause and say, now, I've said the word attachment several times here. Have I actually attached the file in question? Now, it's a simple example, but it sort of illustrates that we can nudge our behavior if it's something that we can get behind if we believe in it, if it's going to be helpful to us. So without being too negative about it, let's maybe wrap up with a few tips. When it comes to understanding and making use of the knowledge of personality in the workplace, first of all, my, my call to professionals in, in the workplace would be if you're going to use personality assessments, ensure that they're fit for purpose. Don't take personal recommendations. Um, look at the evidence that supports that they measure what they say they measure and they measure it accurately again and again. Otherwise, you might as well just flip a coin or look at some zodiac signs. I mean, really, it is as simple as that. And just because something is popular does not mean it um, assesses with rigor. So word of mouth is not the same as looking at the evidence for yourself. 
if you're going to use assessments, everyone who participates needs to get professionally delivered feedback and an opportunity to discuss their profile and to have follow-up questions about it. Think about the amount of information in these profiles. You may need to sleep on it, go away for a while. Give them that opportunity to get answers to their questions. Really importantly, try and avoid using personality terminology as labels to describe whole people. You know, and I mean, that's the ultimate oversimplification to describe a person in terms of one personality factor. Personality is an aspect of us, but it is not us. So you can describe behavior, but don't label people. The labels stick. They're rarely helpful. Don't mix up personality and skill. We can develop skills that fly in the face of our personality preferences, as we've said, because we know it's important and we want to work hard at it. And will it ever be pleasurable? Who knows? Will it ever be our most fun thing to do? Possibly not, but we can develop the skill. So don't put people in a, in a box because you have some understanding of their personality. And don't put yourself in a box based on your own understanding of your personality. Now, if you're getting feedback, take plenty of notes. Um, imagine you're getting feedback from an interview and you really want the job and, you know, you're going to have another interview. You would take notes to see what you could do better next time. Don't rely on your memory. You're not going to remember everything. And look at that report that you get, that you hopefully get as a snapshot of you at a point in time and that each point on that continuum where you sit on at least five, 10, 15 different personality factors, on each one of those points, there is wiggle room either side of it. And that's a very technical term, uh, but wiggle room so that you could be either side of that point, but your behavior definitely could be either side of that point. You have the opportunity to step outside of those preferences, not be limited by those preferences. So the way to remember it is the language you use to describe yourself. Remember their preferences. So think of it as I prefer to rather than I can or I can't because personality. And we could go on about this because it is one of those big topics that can really um, derail uh, development activities because people don't feel treated with respect or they leave with a misunderstanding or the data itself is misused. But I've lost count of the number of new coaches where in our first conversation, they'll bring up a personality assessment. They'll illustrate to me really quickly that it's from many, many, many years ago. They've misremembered the meaning of the factors because I'm familiar with the assessment and it's still hanging over them like a dark cloud. And, you know, that, that's really sad to me that that could have stunted someone's development where maybe the intention was the opposite, but it didn't land the way it could have. So a quick run through there, or maybe not so quick given, <laughs> given the topic, but, you know, I, what I would wrap up with here is to say that um, understanding our personality is great. Lots of good reasons for that, but how we do it and what we do with the information is also important. Make that really important distinction between entertainment and science because, you know, <laughs> there are big differences between the two. And just because it's online, it doesn't mean it measures what it says it measures. Pilar, from, from your perspective, um, what, what's the big um, 
the, the big issue with all of this that's your your key takeaway? For me, it, it's uh, using it to label ourselves and other people. I think that's the the main thing. Um, and uh, yeah, and 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 not being clear about why we're asking people to fill them in and what we're going to do with the feedback. Um, I'll very quickly give you a, a short example. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, a friend of mine uh, did some team away uh, activity, uh, team building activities, and she, all her team took a personality test and. Given everything, you know, everything you've said was on my mind. And I asked her, I said, why, why are you feeling, what's this giving you? And she said, well, it's not that it's defining who we are, but it's giving us a common language. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, that, that, I think that was a valid reason for her. She's just giving them a common language to talk about some of these issues and some of these differences. And I thought, well, as long as they know it's because of that, <laughs> and with all the caveats that you've now said, Richard, um, then I think that that's fine. It's a tool. It's a tool that's helping us to understand differences. However, like you said, I have seen it then reflect on people labeling themselves and just closing in around something and even worse stereotyping other people and their one aspect of personality. I think that's a, an incredibly important point that I, I really would have liked to have underlined at the beginning of this. Um, giving people a framework to describe themselves and others, you know, appropriate terminology, that's a really good use of these things. Um, ideally, it shouldn't be the main use, but mm. uh, understanding myself and the people I work with is great. And if we can use words that are helpful, that's fantastic. But not all of the labels in all of the assessments are ones that we would want to have applied to ourselves um, because they're not all diplomatic. Let's put it that way. But um, I think that's a that's a really good summary of that. So listeners, if you've been on the receiving end of this and you would like to share your story with us, do, do get in touch. If you're a practitioner who places a lot of stock in these, I'd love to hear your experiences and how you use them. And um, if you're thinking of introducing personality assessment into your organization. Um, send us your questions. We, we'd love to hear from you. Um, podcast at worklifepsych.com is the email address. Uh, my Pocket Psych on Twitter. Uh, and of course, you can leave us a voicemail, and I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. So there we are, episode 103. Um, quite a different topic from the last few, but um, really good to cover it off. And the first one of 2022. So thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening. <laughs>